First off, I'd like to thank Pastor Floyd and the church here at Berean Baptist for allowing me to preach. Um, and I have to fix this real quick. <laughs> thank you, Dad. Okay, so um, I don't quite know what I'm doing yet in the ministry, um, whether that be youth ministry or pastoral studies or even missions or maybe, maybe even just the workforce. I don't know quite yet, but the Lord's leading me. Um, and part of that leading is just obeying him and serving him and all the opportunities that he gives me. And part of that is this and, and preaching here. So uh, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to come up here and preach. Um, right, Like Pastor said, I've been um, at Maranatha the past two years working on my associate's degree in Christian ministry. And I'll be returning in the fall and I'll be going, um, uh, I'll be going in the fall to... Um, the continue the associates. Um, I want the gospel to receive, be received by people in my generation and younger. Of course, people older, but I focus on people my age and younger because I relate to them the most, obviously. Um, so, and, and I care about young people. I, I even in this church, I, I can just, I can easily talk to young. I can easily talk to the older people too. Um, but it, I just relate to younger people, um, so I, I would I I I see the desperate need in all people, but especially in young people, to accept Christ as their Savior um, through repentance and faith in, in Christ, um, and that's a that's a desperate need um, for all people around the world and all young people today, um, and it just seems lately that. My generation does not care about the gospel. It's very distant. Most people in church, even looking out, are older today in the audience. Younger people don't, don't care about the cause of Christ. And that is, that is burdensome on our hearts. Um, we all know people that have left the faith. We all know um, younger people that have abandoned um, that have abandoned the the cause of Christ um, because the uh, the way of the world seems more appealing and sin seems to be more appealing. And so I want to talk about today um, that disconnect that younger people have with the gospel. Uh, so let's turn in our our Bibles to Matthew chapter three. And I'm gonna I know Pastor read a little bit, but I'm gonna read a little bit too. And so I'm gonna read a little bit in and uh, John chapter I mean Matthew chapter three. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Esaias, or Isaiah, um, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, preparing ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and leathern uh, girdle about his loins, and his meat wa- was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming uh, from his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers! Who, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring, for, bring forth, therefore, 
fruits meet for repentance. Let, <clears throat> let's take some context. So who was John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist um, was, a, was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40. Um, so he wasn't just a random guy coming to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the people at that time. This is, he is, this is a figure that has been prophesied, and he did come. And he came to those people telling them the message that Christ was then going to come. So he's, he's, he's coming before Christ, giving the message that Christ is then going to come, pleading people to repent. And so I'm, um, let's quickly turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and just get some more context of this prophecy here. Isaiah chapter 40 says, Comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned for for she hath received of the Lord's hand, doubled for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That voice crying in the wilderness, that's John the Baptist. That's preparing, that's preparing the way for Christ to come. Okay? And so, and, and by the way, this isn't just, this isn't just that, if you guys know the stereotype of the, the crazy person that might hang out on the side of the road that holds the sign that says, repent, they just, or that you might see in movies, or, or people that says, the end is nigh, or the, or, the, or the end of the world is coming. But this isn't like that. He's actually giving a message of peace, and that's what this prophecy is. Repentance, and what the Bible's showing us about repentance is it's not about laws and just giving up your life, like my generation says about Christianity, where we are, we're giving up our free will, we're giving up, um, we're giving up so much of our life. That's yeah, that's true, but you are sacrificing your sin. You are giving your sin this what is wrong, what is wrong about you, because we are imperfect. We are giving that to Christ and sacrificing that to the Lord, giving our life so that He can use it for His purpose, for His will. Um, and, and yeah, I, at Maranatha, we have a ministry called State Street where I go out and I, we talk to people that are lost and, are, and they're not saved. And you'd be shocked how many people, even church-going people, have never heard the name Jesus Christ. Or the people, uh, there are people that do know about Christ that are attending church, but their church along the sides of these streets have rainbow flags out in front of them and their churches are promoting activism. The churches are not promoting Christ. The churches are not promoting life change. The churches are not promoting repentance. And that's what we're seeing here in these two texts. That John the Baptist is coming and Christ is coming. John the Baptist is preparing a way for Christ and, and, and what Christ wants is repentance. We can see in, in Romans chapter 6 that, um, that we cannot continue in sin. That God forbids us to continue in sin and that, for that, so that grace can abound on us. That's not how things work. And my generation sees 
often sees the, the church as this thing where it's a social gathering of activism rather than a life-changing repentance where we come into church and we recognize that inside of ourselves we can't change anything. There's no hope within ourselves and all hope comes from Christ. So and I hear this a lot at school and counseling if I need, if I need, if I'm struggling with sin and I need hope. Um, hope comes from doing it God's way. If, if you're hopeless, if you're, if you're just struggling with anxiety or depression or a lot of my generation is just struggling with their identity and who they are and, and really, the issue is guilt and sin. That, that is the issue. The issue is not trying to figure out who we are. Who we are, we're sinners. And we are, we are created by, in God's image, and we are supposed to match that design. And um, as sinners, we're not doing that. And, and when Christ, uh, John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ to come and, and show the right way. Christ is our example of the right way to go. So let's go back to John, uh, Matthew chapter 3 and see how, how John, John the Baptist describes repentance. And I'll, I'll read in verse 6. It says, And we're baptized of him, uh, in, baptized of him in, J- in Jordan, confessing their sins. So baptism is something that we do after we get saved. These people confess their sins and then they were baptized. So we can see that the, the repentance is involved and in getting saved in, is involved of confessing our sins, acknowledging that we have done wrong, that we are not perfect. My gener- I remember in high school, I walked in my senior year after I, got, I, I was not saved my junior before my senior year. I, after I got saved, I walked in. I remember looking at the wall, and my my school had allowed the students to put up posters and artwork that they had created for like self-esteem purposes. And one of the posters said that you're perfect, just the way that you are. And I remember I had a lot of friends and I had a lot of, a lot of people that I cared about walking in that school that had a really tough life. A lot of them were addicted to drugs. A lot of them had genuine problems in their life. Problems that they recognized, that they saw as an issue, but they still continued in because that's what sin does, is it keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it takes you farther than you want to go. So, and, and my friends, they were suffering. And imagine you're suffering, and you walk into your school, and you look at the wall, and the wall tells you, that you are in your perfected state, that it doesn't get better than this, that you, that you are perfect just the way you are, and you're addicted to drugs, and you go home, and your parents don't care about you, and your teachers treat you like a number. Because that's, that's how this generation works. That's, that's, how, that's, how my, my, that's how I saw things when I was younger, and I was unsaved. That's how kids, that's how, the, that's the truth. That's how school is, okay? And so, where's the hope in telling kids that they're perfect? We're, you're not. You, we have issues. There's no hope in that. But there is hope in telling them that 
they're sinners and that they need to repent of their sin. Because like Christ, like the, like the Bible said, that God's trying to give us comfort when he says repent. He's trying to give us comfort. John, he sent John the Baptist to give us comfort. Those people that we're talking to out on State Street, they, they don't even know the name of Christ. They don't even know any of that. Those people, a lot of them are upset talking to me. We're talking to me and my friends because we're telling them that they need, they're sinners and they need to repent. And it's sad because they walk away and they're frustrated with us. And we, we just want to see those people saved. We just want to see those people go to heaven. We, we, I want to see my, my, my younger generation, my brothers and sisters, my, even the olders, but especially my, my brothers and sisters in Christ that are around my age. I want to see them in heaven when I die. I, I know you guys too as parents, and, and that's the issue is there's a big disconnect where the younger people think that, that sin is much more appealing, but, but God is, is coming and saying, please repent, because there's something so much better that he has for you. There's so much more comfort. There's so much more peace that God has in this world. And people my age are rejecting it, and even in my own heart, I struggle because, like Romans 7 talks about, we have this battle with the flesh and with the sin, and it's hard. And it's not easy. It's really not. It's, it's a struggle. It's every, everybody is constantly struggling. This life is painful. This, this is going to be a painful road. But, it's, but that's what the church is for. That's what we have each other for. And we can't keep leaving the faith. Younger people, you can't leave the faith because that's what we, this is going to, your life is going to be hard. But we need to stick together. We need to, we need to stick together as a church so that we don't die. That, and we won't because God said that we won't because that's the, that's the prophecy that's promised. But there's no hope in leaving the faith. There's no hope. There's no hope in rejecting all morality. There's no hope outside there. And here, you're safe. I know that they're coming out with all the science and they're talking about oh, your identity on these things. But you have to look into scriptures. You have to see here that this is true. When you repent of your sins and you come to faith, you see, John is, is pleading these people. And you see here in verse 7 that many of them are uh, the, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you see, like, like Pastor was talking about earlier, you have the Pharisees who are a very conservative group. They take the scripture seriously. And then you have the Sadducees that don't. They take the, don't take the scripture seriously at all. And then you look today and you have the Republicans who are very conservative. And you have the Democrats who are not. But really, both of them would crucify our Savior. What is the true side? The, the Christ. We don't align with political sides, even though we might align more with the conservative side. But we align with Christ. Young people, don't get confused with politics. Don't get confused with your identity. Don't align with your self-esteem. Don't align with the politics 
or another gender that is not the way that God made you. You, or you need to align with Jesus Christ. And you do that by repenting of your sin. Repenting is forsaking your sin, confessing it, and putting it away. And that doesn't mean you don't sin ever again. And that's what Romans 7 talks about, where it's a struggle. And that's why we're here at church, because we're not perfect. We need help. Even pastor needs help. I need help. And that's why we have Christ to look for to as our model. And so, uh, what does confession mean? It means to admit guilt. We need to confess to God. It also means to confess to others. I learned at school that um, sometimes to be right with God, you actually have to say sorry to other people first. I have to go to other people and say sorry when I steal something or I sin against them. And if I don't do that, I can't be right with God. And that's hard. It's hard to humble yourself. But when you get right with God, it's very sweet. And it keeps you safe. And it keeps you accountable. It's a box. It's safety. Um, and it's comfort. Don't you, don't you see that in, in, in chapter 40? In, in Isaiah chapter 40? But for those that don't repent, there's wrath. And you can see that in verse, um, at the end of verse 7. Because he says, O generation of vipers... And this is talking about every generation, really, I, I believe. But he's talking specifically here. But every generation is full of sinners and vipers. So if we have not repented of our sins, that's really what we are. We are just sinners and vipers. And what does it say? Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They know in their hearts that wrath is coming. If we have not repented of our sin, we already know that we're condemned. And we know in our hearts that wrath is coming for us. And that's why the message comes with comfort. This isn't law. This isn't rules. This isn't just a bunch of strict. Your parents aren't being strict. Your church isn't being strict. This isn't a rule book. This is safety. It's love. The Bible's love. It's love. Your parents love you guys. And your church loves you guys. And when I was younger, when I wasn't saved... I didn't understand that. And my church and that was true. My church loved me and my parents loved me. But like like Romans 1 talks about I rejected the truth and unrighteousness because I had sinned in my heart. And so I couldn't see that. And so if you're not saved, if you haven't if you've said a prayer to get saved, but you haven't repented of your sin, then you're not saved. Repentance is part of salvation. Salvation is not just a prayer. And when I was younger, I said a prayer. I did not repent of my sins. Repentance is turning from your sin is an action. And if you haven't done that, if you're younger and if you've said, and I'm not trying to cause doubt, but I'm just saying as if, if you have repented of your sin, the Bible says you're saved. But when I was younger, I just said a prayer. I did not repent of my sins. I did not understand what Christ did for me on the cross, and I did not understand that I was a sinner, and that I was a desperate need of salvation. And so, uh, and, and the desperate need, is, you can see there's wrath for coming. And so, I just want to end here by going to Matthew chapter 11 and, and reading what Christ has offered for all people, but even young people, that 
have sin in their life that haven't repented of their sin yet and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, or even older people, if you have not, it, salvation is not a prayer. Salvation is, is a heart change. It is giving God your sin and turning from your sin and turning to God and giving him all. And so, I just want to, this is what, if you have not repented of your sins, this is what Christ has offered to you. Okay, and so I'm going to Matthew chapter 11. Sorry, I went to the wrong place. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. I went to Matthew 30. Sorry, I have sweaty fingers. <laughs> okay. He says, this is what Christ is saying to you if you have not repented of your sins. He says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, because sin is hard. It's hard on you. It makes you depressed and anxious, and, it, and it's not good. It doesn't make you happy. It tricks you. It says, he comes, says, come to me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. He's gentle. That's what meek means. He's strong, but he's gentle. He'll accept you. He's lowly. He, he will come down to you and accept you in heart. And ye shall find rest for your souls. Are you tired of sinning? Are you tired? Are you tired of it? Are you sick of it? Are you sick of doing the same wrong thing? And he says, you'll find rest for your soul, for his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's what Christ has for you guys. So what are the fruits of repentance? Salvation, and peace with God, and peace of God. Because once you have peace with God, which is salvation, you have the peace of God, which is joy. And then you get a transformed life where you don't necessarily not sin anymore, but you definitely don't want to. Because Christians don't want to sin. That's the difference. Because when we're not saved, we enjoy sin. But when we are, it's disgusting. How can we keep doing that to our Savior? Uh, so before I end, I'm just going to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity um, to uh, preach today at Berean Baptist Church. Thank you for um, all the people that have fought for our country and sacrificed themselves um, for us, um, being examples of how your son sacrificed himself for us, Lord. I just pray for young people in this generation, young people in this church that if anyone, even older people, but even especially younger people, if they have not repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today they would, that they see that you are meek and lonely and will accept them. In Jesus' name, amen. Joey, appreciate that, and thank you for sharing your heart with us. Repentance is, as he said, an essential element of the gospel that's often overlooked and not talked about enough. So thank you for that. Appreciate your burden. Derek's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn.
Uh, we sang 507 at the closing of the morning service. We'll sing 507 again uh, in the garden, but this time stanza number one. So if we'll stand, Derek will come and lead us. 507 in the garden, stanza number one as our closing hymn. Stanza one. I come to the garden Again, thank you for being here today. Thank you for staying through for our afternoon service. And uh, I know the Lees had family here. Uh, Edna has uh, her parents here. And I was talking with them before the service and did not realize some of the connections uh, that we have through a, a sister church down in Indianapolis. And uh, they used to be under the, uh, the preaching of Pastor Bob Taylor, who I got saved under as a kid. And he was on my ordination council. Uh, many years ago, and a uh, dear, dear friend of, of mine, uh, one of those preachers that I've looked up to through the years, and uh, so just a, a neat connection there. Um, then it's good to have Ashley um, Easton, uh, did I say that last name correctly? Uh, Ashley and her children are here, and uh, they were uh, at Berean a few years back, now living up in uh, Elkhart, and uh, so it's good to, to have them back with us as well, and hope that you have a wonderful afternoon and Memorial Day, and we're so thankful for uh, those who have sacrificed for our freedoms and for the opportunity we've had to gather today to worship the Lord and be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. At this time, we'll be closed in prayer. I'm going to ask Derek Newton if he'll come and close us in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you so much, dear Father, for the liberties we enjoy here in this, these United States but they are nothing compared to the liberty we enjoy from the freedom of sin. Lord, you didn't give us freedoms from sin so that we could go back to it, but so that we could live for you. Thank you for the day off tomorrow and the lives that were given so that we can enjoy our freedoms. In the coming week, Lord, help us to be good ambassadors for you. Like Brother Earl prayed this morning, this is, this is an outpost for the kingdom. And that being the case, we need to be, be ambassadors. Thank you for all that we've heard today. We pray all this in